Hello and welcome to another Mac and Football show. We're doing it on a Thursday night instead of a Friday night. Um, so we have a slightly different cast of people. I've got just below me, if you're watching it on YouTube Live, everybody that's in the chat. And as you can see, at the moment, there's just the two of us. I'm Anthony Mackham and the Sunderland badge is Yorkshire Mackham, a.k.a. Jacob Babyard. Hey, buddy. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. How are you feeling after the Fulham game, mate? Last night's result. Yeah, I think we started off a bit bad, but I think we picked up. Mm -hmm. And I, do, I think the referee robbed us, to be fair, because I think every time a Fulham player went down, he blew his whistle, but he wouldn't do it for Sunderland. Well, he would do it for Sunderland, but just not a lot, really. Did and. Okay. So, like, yeah, you're a bit of a twat with referees last <laughs> night. Uh, do you know what? I, I was saying a couple of times, mate, that during that game that the referee, I, I think he was doing the best job possible. He was For me, he was playing it forward. And if you look, Darth Law has just joined too. Hello, Darth. Hello, mate. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I've just gone live about one minute and 20 seconds ago, so welcome along. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Perfect timing. Um, just talking about the game last night against Fulham. Initial thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that ref was smoking, but Christ. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jake was I, just saying the same thing, by I'm the way. I'm not going to lie. I think you should have had at least a penalty or two. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, th I, think the, I think the referee was being very... Um, well, we're not going to say biased. Yeah, lenient. we're not going to say. We'll say lenient. He's being very lenient towards Fulham. Um, there are a lot of tackles which I feel like they did that if you had done, you would have probably gotten a yellow card or worse for it. And I was kind of like, mm -hmm. hmm, <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Well, it wasn't fair, was it? Um, that is a good point. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was majority. Like majority, of my opinion was based around his first half refereeing. And I thought that was a bit more free-flowing. Um, but I do distinctly recall whinging about Wilson straight after the half-time whistle. Like, he was committing so many fences and nothing was happening. But this was in the middle of the yeah, park. Yeah, yeah. It, there wasn't yeah. any penalties associated with that. So I was like, oh, okay. It, it, it must have been, it, like, a bit soft and not enough to, to warrant... Um, any kind of intervention from the ref. But um, I think what we did poorly in this game was our, how do you say it, the, the, like stepping into gear, the, the getting on to pace before actually turning up and playing this match. The first, I'd say, 34, 35 minutes was just painful and boring to watch. From Sunderland fans' perspective, obviously, if you're a Fulham fan, you're scoring in the eighth minute, you're absolutely buzzing. But neither team in that first half an hour turned up, really. No. Yeah, I, I would agree. No. And I feel sorry for you, Dave, because you had to, you only witnessed the first fifteen minutes live. So <laughs> well, I did watch it. I did have the rest of it up on my monitor. Yeah, but um, the the fact that. Once Fulham got their second goal, Sunderland then decided to actually try a bit 
that was for yeah. me the best indicator of the quality that we have in that team. The fact that we scored two goals against them, and those two goals weren't out of the blue either. They were they were well worked. They were well earned, and we, for a majority of that game, in the, especially in the second half, were the better team. Ultimately, though, they've got the quality in front of goal and scored scored free. Yep. Um. So I, I'm a little bit disappointed. Oh, I'm yep. guessing you're not that bothered. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie, mate. I <laughs> you've done well. I think you did really well uh, to get to. I just think the referee was being a bit of a bow end, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, duh. Yeah. <laughs> The funny thing is, Newcastle got knocked out by a League One club, and we've been knocked out by a Prem club. So. <laughs> yeah, they got knocked out by Chelsea um, Wednesday, and they're they one. Oh, sorry, go on. No, yeah, it's fine. Um, but look at their owners; they're all rich and wanting to be like Man City, and yet they get knocked out by a League One club. Oh, <laughs> yeah. couldn't happen. To, it couldn't happen to a better team. True. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but and then like, have a go at us and call us shit. Well, oh, he just got the like, club. Uh, that the way you just said that the the the, the Fulham fans saying about the Sunderland fans halfway through that game that that angered you quite a bit, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. But that's that comes with the territory when your team's winning, you and yeah. or your team's losing, and you're not really. Doing anything, and he just sat there looking mardy. I can understand the Fulham fans behaving the way they did. Um, I kind of feel like if the shoe was on the other foot, though, mate, we would have done the exact same thing. And the fact that they only brought like 900 people and they had an allocation of two and a half thousand is just proof, yeah, yeah, just it's just proof that, like, just because you've got. 900 dedicated fans doesn't mean your entire fan base is um, quality. <laughs> um, but yeah. <sighs> Any outstanding players in that match for you? Not, not that I know of, but I mean, Bennett's second goal, were, the second goal for us was a pretty nice goal. I like that. That was a good goal. Yeah. Well, to be fair, that wasn't that we would like three minutes before the end of the game and thinking, oh, we can go and get a get a third and level this up, but that wasn't to be. Uh, Dov, you said you watched it on the side. Is there any players that you saw? Um, I think it's fair. I think Clark had a pretty good game for you. Um, we got a goal, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he how many shots did he have? He had like two shots or something, but it's where he scored one of them. So, Fifty percent good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, let me get the stats up. Give me a sec. Yeah, you can be our stat man for that match. <laughs> yeah, I'll be a stat man. Uh, so I'll be the event man. So, um, yeah, so Clark was actually your highest rated player during that game. So you you picked well then. Um, I don't know if Clark um, would have been my man of the match though. Like if he had was... a ninety-one percent pass rate, chances created three. Yeah. Um. He had a 50% successful dribble, 49 touches, uh, two out of two long balls, uh, 10 recoveries. So he's done done well. He put in a shift, didn't he? He did. To be fair, I didn't really notice he did that much because um, 
when we were doing the live stream, people were chipping in saying this person should be subbed off, that person should be subbed off, and yeah. you get a little bit distracted to the to the hard work, the um, the runs that you're putting in, the interceptions, the the fightbacks that those ten that you called out there. Um, yeah, you, you you miss those kind of moments, and all you really notice is the three four passes leading up to a shot. Um, so yeah, I, I might have missed that a bit. Um, but for me, I think man in the match from a Sunderland perspective has to go to um, somebody in the middle of the park. Um, I wouldn't give it to Roberts. Roberts played really poorly. Um, I think he was <laughs> basically... Actually your second highest rated player. <laughs> no, honestly, Roberts was the cause of two of their goals. So the fact that he's been second highest rated is... is mind-boggling the first goal he just allows them to have a clean clean through shot killing killing yeah um oh yeah ground jules one he was seven out of 13. what what are you doing brother's <laughs> really curious you can watch what watch along mate jacob are you giving man in the match too uh, no. Fucking To be honest, you think? Do Do you know who I think had a good game, but also, obviously, didn't do a great job. Um, ultimately, because he let free in Patterson. I think he kept us in that game for a good spell. There's a couple of yeah. clean, clean shots and clean, clean efforts that against against other keepers. Would have went in. So the fact that the goal, I'm giving a good shout out to Anthony Patterson's effort in that match. Is you mean ten diving? Uh, two, sorry, two diving saves, one save inside the box. He had forty-four touches. That's not too bad. Uh, Nineteen out of thirty, so sixty-three percent pass accuracy and a fifteen percent long ball accuracy. Yeah, but you got to think that their goal, their Goal goalkeepers will always have the the lowest passing yeah, yeah, accuracy from yeah, yeah. because of how how like they just hoof the ball up the so top 60, and it's up to the three percent. It's pretty good though. Yeah. So I, I'd rate passing as you can see. Um, DJ's joined us now as well, so welcome along, DJ. DJ. Hello, sorry, I'm late. I just had a busy shift at work. Put a record on, mate. Uh, no worries, mate. Uh, we're just going over. Well, we've done initial thoughts on the Fulham game. Do you want to weigh in on yours and then go into Man of the Match? Yeah, I can do. Fire away. Thoughts of the Fulham game. Um, I just thought it was a really solid performance from Sunderland. I thought uh, the first half, they weren't like getting out of first gear. Um, and it didn't help, obviously, getting an early goal. Mm-hmm. But we just didn't stop chasing the ball. We just didn't stop trying. Um, we made it a, a difficult night for Fulham. And uh, if that's what our young lads are doing against the Premier League side, that's on form. Mm-hmm. You know, the future's looking bright. Um, <clears throat> and I just thought it was a, we did. I thought we passed the ball around really well, especially when we were attacking them. Um, when they were quick one twos and tricky with the box that they couldn't handle us at times. Um, and we did have some good chances. We should have maybe buried um, you know, in Diallo's effort off the line. Yeah, it could, it could have gone in. It could, it could have been a completely different result. It was fine margins. 
Um, I thought we were a little bit laxadaisal at the back. I thought we made it too easy for them, especially their 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 third goal. You know, there was like someone should have been covering that. Oh yeah. To stop him getting that goal, it was too easy for him. I don't know whether they just switched off. I'd, I'd, um, I'd say the same about the first goal as well, though. Like that that eighth minute goal. Um, it's just not enough closing down and not enough um, strength at the back. But is Harry? I didn't think they were playing the Premier League side at the time. They were thinking they're still in the Championship, but you can't do that against no. the Premier League team because uh, they, you, you give a Premier League team a sniff of space and you know they'll punish you for it. Yeah. Um, with, with that in mind, the call out from the ref um, by Jacob and Dov has been. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit more negative to what I thought. I thought the referee had an okay game and he tried to let it flow. But what were your thoughts on the refereeing in that? Um, I thought we should have got a definite penalty. Um, when I think it was at Mitrovic at flat one of our players. I mean, if, if if VAR was there, that would have been a penalty. That was that, would have, that was an absolute stormwaller. Um, don't know if you remember the incident I'm on about, but that was a penalty. What was the score at the time? Uh, I don't know. Because it, I think all the penalty shouts were in the second half. And um, to be fair, the, the second half wasn't shy of goals. There was four goals in that second half. So um, a penalty appeal mixed in the middle of that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> too much to keep a track yeah, of. They have read a lot of social media and a lot of them are slagging off the referee. Um, and compared to the shite that we have had referee in, in, in the Championship in Division 1 you know I would say he was a lead compared to the crap that we've had um, yeah you know I didn't notice much I just apart from that uh, the, the, the Fulham players did go down too easy and I think he's, he's intended to give him the benefit of the doubt of free kicks to Fulham quite a lot when they were, they were going down far too easy. So do do all three of you think that the reciprocation was mainly in Fulham's favour for the referee rather than yes. fair across Definitely. both teams? Yes. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right, let me just... Right, so... Okay. In terms of stats... Sure. You had the most... You had the most shots yeah uh you had the most accuracy with passes you had the least committed fouls you had you had more offside you only had mine and then corners were the same mm-hmm. but if you actually look into the actual stats themselves you had 515 passes compared to their four, 485 85 percent of those passes you made were accurate were only 400 as well you had 270 New passes in your own half, whereas they had 227. Um, you had 3% more uh, accurate crosses, and you had like, 14 more throws than they did. And if you look at defense, mm-hmm. you also beat them on blocks and clearances. <laughs> I think so, you got very unlucky. Um, mm-hmm. So what you're essentially saying to me there is if we had a clinical striker up front we would have potentially won this match if you had if you had a clinical striker up front yeah your defense was holding their own according like i know it's a natural playing the game is different but oh yeah, yeah. I, I like analyzing shit so i look at the stats and stuff 
stats on paper, you if you had like a, a like a formal striker up front, you probably would have won the game. So, with that sentence in mind, DJ Jacob, what what are your thoughts on Ahmad being the um, the stopgap while Gelhart was um, cup tied, cup locked, whatever you call it? He he couldn't play the game. I know there was there was calls mm. from fans that we need somebody like Gelhart or Stewart up front, but Ahmad. Yeah, um, we've done it in championship, really, haven't we? And I think Mowbray thought, oh, you know, let's do the same as what we do in the championship. So I think, yeah, I think it is the best option. But I mean, I would have liked to have seen. Um, some of the new ones start more. You know, Perry Equard, I've had seen him start on pitch, to be fair. To be fair, when he did come on, the game changed quite a bit. Um, the The dynamic of the, the team completely shifted once we made a couple of our subs. The Fulham subs at half-time, I didn't really understand all that much because the players were playing okay, but... Um, yeah, what they weren't getting the the beat off there, like uh, Carlos Vinicius and Pereira, <laughs> yeah, Mitrovic and Pereira come on for Harrison Vinicius. I, I can never say his name properly. Those halftime subs for me were were baffling, but Pereira and Mitrovic then combined to make that goal just before the hour mark, two nil, and then I think we kicked in a little bit too little too late in terms of subs. We they go ahead 2-0 and then Mowbray goes, you know what, let's throw the kitchen sink at it. And that nearly worked. Um, throw the kitchen sink at it, love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't know, like, we, we were the home team and we were playing very defensive for a, uh, two-thirds of that match. When we actually did show up and stepped out that first gear that you mentioned, DJ, it's it's a refreshing team to watch. And if we just played the way we did in that last 30 minutes for the entire 90, we would have comfortably won that match, in my humble opinion. Um, it's just, I don't know, a, a case of we're throwing too much caution to the wind um, too early. Um, we've got to remember, we did play these like two weeks ago and they didn't batter us, so I don't know what the mentality was thinking when, when they came back up to our ground, but they were just all of a sudden 10 times better than us. It baffles me, but like you said, really good, really encouraging second half performance from the lads and two goals to show for it. The Ahmed Diallo goal. Is it Diallo scored the first goal? Sorry? It was the first goal, yeah. yeah. The first goal was a fantastic. Yeah, it was that, that curler into the into the top bins. Um. Yeah, I, I just think if we can play more like that in the final half an hour, like we, if we play like that every single game, we'll be, we'll be rocking this league, no problem. Um, and we could have been playing Leeds in the next round of the FA Cup. <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. Is I, don't think Leeds, I don't think Leeds are going to beat Fulham either. I think Fulham will beat Leeds and then Leeds might, then Fulham might get knocked out then, but could make it all the way to the final, Fulham, you never know. Well, there's, there's only eight teams left in the tournament, mate, so... Yeah. That's three, ma three matches and you've got a crowned winner then. 
BJ, I just remembered you didn't actually give your man of the match. Um, it's a tricky one, that. I don't know who I would give it to. Todd Clark had a decent game. <laughs> That's who Dov give it to. I would give I would give it with Clark. I thought Diallo was a bit quiet, but I thought Clark was 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 quite a menace running in. Of course, he took his ball really, really well. I just I've just remembered. I've got two players mixed up. I thought Clark was to blame for their goal. It wasn't. It was Dan Neal. Dan Neal had a shocker of a game. That's who I'm thinking of. Um, he. Why I don't know. He just looked exhausted. He he looked like he either overtrained for it or like woke up ten minutes before the game started. It was really oh, yeah. bizarre. Yeah, he had a howler. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, apologies to Clark, who I said had a um, it was to blame for the opening goal and potentially their second. It wasn't. It was Dan Neal. So yeah, <laughs> if you give the worst player of the match, I would definitely give that to to Dan Neal, which is which is. Quite a surprise because he is a he is a talent. Um, it's not it's not an honor that anybody really ever wants to have. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> true. Shall we um shall we move on from the FA Cup tie? Because since our last football show, there has been another game that we played, and that was a one-one draw against Millwall. Yeah. Do you recall this match, boys? Is it always too many sleeps ago? No, no, no. No, 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 I still recall it a bit, to be fair. (laughs) If you want, I'll go go through uh, the highlights. They score, we score, game's over. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We start off bad, and then we pick up a bit, and then get an equaliser. That's pretty much how it went. To To be fair... It's the very, very similar story to how we performed against Fulham. It took them scoring for our team to turn up. So yeah. their goal was a corner. The the person who scores a goal goes for it, falls over, is on the floor, and then hooks his foot while he's lying down on the floor, and it goes top bins. Do you remember that now? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of sloppy, isn't it, when you think about it? Yeah, and um, our our leveller was Dennis Serkin's header from a free kick, which he get connects the ball first, and the goalkeeper punches him in the face with both fists, trying to clear the ball. Sorry for those watching on YouTube, I've just punched out the camera. Um, and knocks him out, and he seeks medical attention, and there was that drama around should the goal have stood or not, but our player was not at fault at all but before the goal goes in he's got a head and medical injury so there's a there's a strange little debate there do you do you think the our goal should have stood yeah do you, do, you, do because i think the guidance is if there is a medical emergency on the pitch you need to immediately stop the game regardless of what's happening but essentially, right. so just end the game. Say right, call it a day. Well, not right. call it a day, but the medical emergency needs to be treated. So if he's been double punched in the face, it's concussion, which is why he's out for about a week and not much more. But there was, 
I don't know, on the flash scores or whatever it was, but there was some kind of deliberation around if the goal should have stood or not. And there was no offside. There was no nothing. There was no, like, fault from a Sunderland's perspective for our leveller. It was just purely that foul. Do do we prioritise the foul and the medical emergency over the goal? And I think luckily for us, we prioritised the goal and then immediately sought the medical attention. This is the space of a second, by the way. So it's it's like pedantics. Um, I think... I don't think he even knew he scored, did he? After he had his little knock, he probably thought, "Did did something good just happen?" Yeah. Uh, I, I, where, where am I? Where am I? <laughs> oh, you've just scored! For, you've just scored, mate! You just scored. We got a point. I'm at a shit old stadium. I'm at a shit old stadium. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, do you know what the I've, uh, Millwall performed exactly how we expected, and I think all three of us, sorry, all four of us put in a draw as the pre-game prediction. Um I think I went two two one one nil nils. Um so yeah the the fact that the game panned out pretty much result wise how the majority of us expected, I think that's that might be one of the reasons why we don't recall the match and the events of the match all that much because it's kind of run in the mill, right? If if you on paper uh, sorry, just to yeah. butt in. Go for um, it. I have, so I've just been looking at the, the, the your last couple of games. Sure. Was there anything said on why you changed formation for the Fulham game? Uh, yes. So uh, we had no dedicated striker. Ah, okay. So um, because sh- you've been playing four two three one for the last like six seven games. Gelhart. Yeah, because the two games ago, Ross Stewart got got injured, and I think he's out for the rest of the season with an Achilles injury. Is that right, DJ Jacob? Yeah. 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 Um, And then Gelhart came in for that Millwall game to replace him. Um, We we were we, we as a fan base were very quite very upset that we only got one striker in when we've been calling out for two strikers for the past three transfer windows doesn't seem to happen no idea why um but yeah gelhart is then cup tied for fulham so we were basically we're putting our midfielders or our attacking minded midfielders up front so that that's the main reason we we switched it up in that fulham game it's not because i'm um, sorry sorry to sound a bit crassy of fulham are anything special they're not <laughs> um they're just another team that we've got to beat, um, and or try and beat, should I say? Um, and I think Mowbray was Mowbray's hand was forced a bit in that. Um, Sunderland games aside, past week, is there any interesting news points around the football world that you want to call out? Um, Okay, did you shoot for if it? A, if it's not Preston, I'm gonna punch you in the dick, DJ. No, no, not on a Thursday night. What's Sam Allardyce and Bobby Charlton both got in common? I don't know. They're both Geordies, aren't they? No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with you. You can do a bit of homework. All right, S- Sam Allardyce and Bobby Charlton. Yeah. What have they both got in common? 
Oh, I bet it gives you like the both both played you, at Preston. The both, the both England players. <laughs> Obvious, but well, you said what's it? What do they have in common? <laughs> They're both English. Swear to God, if it comes up with Preston, I'm gonna be shout what the f. Yeah, I've laughed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. It's a, you said not on a Thursday night, DJ. Are you are you specifically searching like these n- tiny nuggets that might Western mention? Take a manager and then played from North End from eighty six to nineteen eighty nine. Sorry, DJ. What's Preston gonna do with it? <laughs> Honestly, David. Right. Any other, mean, any other big news in football that you want to call out this week? I'm going to talk about the Super League. What, what's this crack about this? Is that the, the, the start, the start to go on about this Super League again? Well, <laughs> that's that would kill football if that if it, if they if that actually came in. That's what they said. We're thinking about doing it. Uh, football news live. Man United hit FA charge. Man City's latest and Ronaldo scores four. So, uh, Rashford's been signed for speeding. That's today. Ajax want to sign uh, Liverpool's director of football. Um, Al Nasser and Al Wenda. Uh, Ronaldo scores four goals in that game. Nobody cares. Um. Yeah. In terms of football news this week, I think it is just that Man City financial fair play standpoint I wanted to call out. Um, Is there... If the club can afford, or if the owners of the club can afford the wages of players, should there be penalties for that club? Historically, if they exceed what other clubs can afford, not them... That's a huge debate, but initial thoughts. Davla, go first. Say that again, DJ, because... For the Man City carry-on, I've heard it could take up to four years to actually come up with a decision, and that's going to hamper Man City a hell of a lot because it's going to affect players wanting to come in. I mean... Are they really wanting to get into a club where they could potentially get booted out from the football league? It's going to cause a lot of uncertainty. So, the f- there'll be hope, and hopefully, Man City, there'll be some answers of what the punishment's going to be, if there's any at all, the sooner the better. But if it drags on for that long, which it could do, then it isn't going to be healthy for the club, is it? The, the thing is, though, the club can clearly afford these players. There's not a financial affordability thing, it's more. The owners of Man City have got more money than the rest of the league and then therefore winning titles, getting trophies and taken away from other clubs that don't have the same level of investment. And my thoughts on it are the club can afford it. It doesn't put them in debt. There's there's no kind of impact on the players' salaries. There's no impact on the um, infrastructure around the club in terms of... Um, on the grounds or the assets of the club, i.e. the Coventry situation a couple of um, years ago. What's Where's the issue for Man City? Because they can't afford it. And um, you just got to look at Newcastle right now. I think they're breaking a shit ton of financial fair play rules right now. They have to be. 
there's no way half them players would come into the club if there's not money been thrown at them and some dodgy book dealings with academy players going out to level it up. Will Newcastle be retrospectively impacted by it eight years later or will it just be one of those things that is the new normal in football? I'm can't, I'm... The, Premier, the Premier League is just getting too powerful and it's like the, 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 there's only a certain amount of clubs that are just becoming more and more powerful and more and more dominant and the money's getting ridiculous and, you know, people have said years and years ago that, you know, one day the, the, the bubble will burst itself at the Premier League, it'll get too big for its own boot and it'll collapse. Well, to be fair, mate, what I'm... I'm on the side of if you're going to put loads of money into clubs like Newcastle or like Man City or like Chelsea are and they finish 18th in the league and they've spent all this money and they're tied into these players' contracts, I, I would just laugh at them because the, no amount of money can actually change what happens on the pitch. Ultimately, it does help quite a bit because obviously you've got the best players in the best positions, but if that person doesn't gel with the team... Doesn't matter how much money you're going to throw at them, <laughs> the players don't like the other person. Um, I think ultimately it will eventually be a, a level playing field. It's just not there yet. Yeah, I think money really has taken over, hasn't it? It's just a joke. It's a bit of a joke. Right, Dov, I'm really interested on your thoughts around that because you are a Liverpool fan and you've invested quite heavily in the last decade, but not to the levels of Chelsea and Man City. <laughs> or Man United, even. I, I Hang on, let me find it. I think we're like... In terms of spending per club for like the last five years, where I think we're like the bottom three or something stupid like that. In, in the Premier League, yes, you um, are. In yeah. the Premier League, yeah, we're like almost at the bottom. But in terms um, of, like I said, like in terms of income, I think you're eleventh globally. Yeah, we've got really high income. The problem is fucking owners won't let us spend anything. <laughs> because I think your owners are playing by the financial fair play rules, whereas other clubs don't yeah they're just like oh we have oil money so let's just spend 600 million this transfer so window so, so to your regard or to, to be fair because we've got a billionaire owner who's not spending this money because the rest like we we would basically out buy the rest of the league um i, I don't know like it, go on sorry continue and i'll Rationalize my thought um, in a good coherent sense. Yeah, I think in terms of, I, I think in the terms of spending for clubs, they they should technically have a limit on it. I know it's kind of hard because then they have to like, well, what's a reasonable limit for it to be? Because if it's too much, then it's not going to fix anything. But if it's too little, then it could potentially hinder both clubs, teams, and players want to like say come from. I don't know, fucking La Liga or whatever, over to the Premier League. And... You, well, to be yeah. fair, that's that Ukrainian player that came across to Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Um, this... If they were to do that, it's going to be... They're going to have to try and find the fine balance of it being enough to like make a change, but not too much for it to be ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, would you say... 
because Man City are now being looked at at being ridiculous with their spending. What was it? I, there was a stat. I, I think I found it was via a short or something like that on YouTube, where the other top six European leagues, so that's Bundesliga, League One, League Santander, Serie A. Um, can't remember what the other two are. What's the other two big spending leagues in Europe? Spanish, German, French, Italian. Um, it's Turkish one. No, Turkish, Tur- Turkish don't spend that much. They they spend big money on one big player. It's not it's not in the top six. Yeah, what about the um, America? Are the MLS? MLS. Yeah. That's a, it's that's the retirement the league that is, though, mate. Yeah. To be fair, so since, same as uh, yeah. T- to my point, though, the English Premier League is combined double above those six over top spending leagues, which yeah. again yeah. is why I think we're seeing. If you've seen early two thousands, you're seeing English teams in the Champions League finals every other year. Um, but now, I think in the last eight or the last 16, there's pretty much guaranteed three or four English teams still in the competition. Um, and you've seen double English finals quite a lot over the last few years as well. Um, break, breaking up the Munich and Real Madrid monopoly on the Champions League because we are spending that much money on buying our league. It's filtering into the Champions League. <sighs> Don't you think? Sin- Going back to sorry, only briefly. Going back to City's spending since the 2016-2017 season, they've spent 1.1 billion. 1.1 billion in what? Four years? Five years? Wow. That is more than I think the entire rest of the pyramid outside the Premier League combined for the last twenty years. It, it there's nowhere 1.1 billion second spent. highest is uh, second highest is United with just over one million uh, one billion. That's me- that that barrier is so way that's, too that's, big. Yeah, so that's two billion between two clubs that's been spent in the last five years. And that's why financial fair play needs to come in. And I think Newcastle are, are, are trying to become that. Man United have done it and not really found any success from it. Yeah, they finished in the top six pretty much consistently, consistently since Moyes left, but they've never won the league. So you're not really buying anything with all that money being thrown at it. Um. So yeah, that's the, that's the one extra thing I wanted to call out. That's been big news this week. It, do you want to have uh, your extra thoughts on that though, boys? <laughs> Well, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? How money's got that bad football. I don't particularly see it as a bad thing if the club itself can afford it. It does mean that the best talent just all goes to that one place. Or so there's a monopoly effect on the league, but also I don't see it as a massive detriment. I don't think you should be retrospectively penalised. For being successful and paying for that success, which I don't know, 
DJ, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. If here's the question, right? Here's the question: If Sunderland were to spend money like that, and we got out of this league, we we finished top seven in the Premier League next season because of how much money we've just threw at it, would you think the rest of the Championship would say Sunderland play by the financial fair play rules this season, or do you reckon they'll all be up in arms and saying we couldn't compete with a team that's investing that heavily? I thought it was a bit of both. Okay. Jacob, what are you thinking? Well, I know that I bet they'd have a go at Sunderland, to be fair for it, but you can see why, really. But I'm, I mean, I heard about, um, with the Man City thing, that there's a rumour that we could get handed the, was it the Carrot? No, the Capital One Cup that they won in. 2014 that Man City won against us. So yeah, so that's the retrospective penalties that uh, I think we're we're mentioning. They could have they've won like three, four Premier Leagues, but they go to the second place teams in the last decade because they didn't play by financial fair play rules. But they could afford it. That's my point. Like if they could afford it, where's the harm um, from their club and their infrastructure's perspective? Yeah, like if if it if it leads to a situation where like Coventry, um, Wimbledon, where where stuff like that happens, I can completely see why the financial fair play rules would retrospectively damage them. Really good example of this is actually is Derby, Derby County, early two thousands, throwing money at the at the league and. But really, they 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 went into some shit, didn't they? They went into administration because the club couldn't afford the money that they were throwing at it. That's where I think it's a, a massive issue. The likes of Man City have got the nous to, to afford it long term. Yeah, I'm not sure if they'll ever come back though, Burry will they? Uh, not, uh, Burry, yeah, no, they've set up a new new team and it's uh, unassociated with that. But yeah, the, 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 point, the point is essentially I don't think Man City should be retrospectively penalised. I think they should be uh, restricted on what they can do in the next couple of windows, very similar to how Chelsea were restricted with the Russian ownership rules at the start of, well, last season and this season. They they couldn't make signings through the ownership, the current ownership, so they had to sell the club on to the new American owners. Um, they had to sell the club on, which ended up to be the new American owners. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that's my point. I don't think if a club can afford it that they should be retrospectively damaged. I think they should just be uh, sanctions put on them going forward, and that way they're not throwing up or they're not throwing money at twelve players that essentially buys the league. They're buying two, three key players that helps improve their current roster. That's my that's my take on it. It might not be the popular opinion, but if anybody wants to challenge it, I'm more than happy for you to do that. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. All right. Right. So we've <laughs> we've done a couple of things, and um, next I want to talk a little bit about the league and our next opposition, Reading. We'll do predictions for the Reading game first. Uh, I'll do it in picture order, so backwards to front. Jacob, what are you saying the Reading results going to be? Uh, 
and I'm putting this down as your official prediction. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna go with actually yeah, I'm gonna go with a three one Sunland win. Perfect. And that's because of Reddin's away form. It's not too great, but of course you never know in football, do you? But generally I've looked at that Reddin's away form and it's not it's not that good. So I'm quite confident going into this game yeah. due to Reddin's form. While while you've got a couple of seconds then, Dov, check up the stats for Reading away. That's literally what I'm <laughs> Now. <laughs> How did you know? Because I was tempted too. I was tempted too. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Uh, DJ, um, DJ, what are you saying for the Reading game? I think Sunderland three 0 If if the, if the, if they can perform like they have been doing, mm-hmm. they'll they'll have, they'll have far too much for them if they perform. Um, but you just don't know for Sunderland here, but. The talent that we have got, um, I think we'll have too much for them. There we are. Um, and <laughs> Statman Dov, what are you <laughs> saying? Statman. Um, yeah, I think you're probably gonna win. Mm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a two nil. Two nil. Okay. I'm gonna go with a two nil. So. 2-0 Sunderland, perfect. So I'm going to go through a couple of stats that you might find really interesting. So the last seven matches we've played, so this is from September 2007 through to today, every single goal, every single game has had three goals or more. You had 3 2-2, 3-1, 2-1, 3-0, 2-1, 2-1. So there's definitely goals in these games, um, historically. <laughs> At the Stadium of Light, Sunderland have won, um, apart from that obviously terrible 2017 season where we got relegated, they beat us 3-1. We have won when we are pretty much on top um, at the Stadium of Light, uh, and we usually win quite comfortably. So I'm going to say that we're going to match it exactly like DJ said. I'm going to say Sunderland 3-0 because, I don't know, we... we if we've got Gellard up front and we play him for the full 90 minutes and he is actually that creative target man going forward, I think we've got a really good chance. And another fact, the last time we played them, they were in the playoffs. We were bottom half of the table and we beat them 3-0. Now, rules are reversed. They're 16th, we're, we're ninth, and we're firing on all cylinders and they're in a bit of a rut. So, yeah. Oh, also, they have the fourth worst defence in this league with negative uh, negative 11 goal difference and 44 goals conceded. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think we're all back in Sunderland in that one. In terms of the league table, Sunderland win would see us potentially climb up to fifth if all of the results go our way. Are we concerned that Millwall, Blackburn, West Brom and Watford are going to win their matches? So there's four teams that were heavily reliant upon dropping Millwall points. Playing. Millwall playing a QPR. Millwall, so yeah, it's four teams. Mm. So Millwall QPR is essentially the same as Sunderland Reading. The home team being higher up in the, uh, much higher up in the league than the away team. Blackburn have drew their last two games. 
Blackburn should be winning that match, Wigan, or... Blackburn should win that match, yeah. Well, if Wigan somehow win that, I'd be very, very surprised. If Wigan win that and overturn a 10-goal difference, they will climb out of the bottom three. <laughs> Reading will also have a minus 11-goal difference, so... Yes. No, I mean, uh, if Wigan beat Blackburn Rovers... If we can beat Blackburn, I'll laugh. You'll laugh. Okay, I thought you were going to say you'll eat something there. I was going to say I'll eat a shoe, but yeah, it might happen. <laughs> if we can win, you have to eat trotters. Oh, Absolutely no. Not. Absolutely not. DJ. Not even for a million pounds. <laughs> I was going to say, DJ would not like you taking this food off his plate. <laughs> not even for a million pounds. I've smelled it, mate. It's not nice. Oh, right. What? I reckon DJ sucks toes. Oh, dude. Why did you bring that up? Because he likes eating pig's feet. You might have a foot. You might have a feet fetish. You never know. Pickle, pickle pig's feet's nice. <laughs> In, in what world is that nice? Try it, then get back to me. Um, I think I'd have. What was that? What was that show that um the MMA fighter presented? Fear Factor, Fear Factory, Fear Factory. Remember when they used to like make people walk tight ropes and get in pits of snakes and stuff? That would be one of my things. Eating pigs, trotters. On a scaffolding. <laughs> Packed with absolute tons of protein. I can imagine. I can imagine. But uh, no thank you. <laughs> There's a reason they're not done. So I don't know why, but I've written down, wrote down the word monopoly. So there we go. Um, Jacob, you've been a little bit quiet. What's your thoughts <laughs> this weekend on the league? Um, well, it's, I think it's this week. Um, mm -hmm. some interesting the Lancashire Derby on between Burnley and Preston, uh, Watford and Blackburn. I think that should be a decent game, but Watford a fifth, Blackburn in seventh. So it's like top half at table clash. Um, I thought you said we're gonna play in Blackburn. They're not. They're playing Huddersfield Town, which is again bottom of. Was that looking, looking at the wrong one? No, Watford. Watford of Blackburn. Well, Huddersfield and Wigan, which is like relegation clash, isn't it? So. Oh, I was yeah, I was looking at the wrong one. They played Blackburn on Monday. My bad. That was nil yeah. nil. Yeah, yeah, I look. I was looking at the wrong one. <laughs> we're acting. We were acting like Wigan were going to get absolutely trounced in it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, for them to draw that, that's still pretty bad. <laughs> well, Wigan... They kept a clean sheet for once. Wigan could pull it off against Huddersfield, couldn't they, maybe? They could maybe pull it off, but you never know with I mean, Wigan. Right. Points apart from each other. right, so I've got a stat board which tells you points per game on form. So... In the Blackpool Rotherham, that's 0.93 to 0.8, so they're close. 
Bristol City, Norwich City is 1.27 to 1.64. So Norwich are favoured to win. Uh, the Burnley-Preston, obviously Burnley are just winning pretty much everything. So Burnley are clear favourites. Cardiff-Middlesbrough is actually surprisingly close based on home and away form. 1.13 to 1.27. Uh, Coventry and Luton, 1.68 to 1.8. Basically, every tie this weekend, apart from the Sheffield United-Swansea game, the Sunderland-Reading and the Watford-Blackburn-Rovers games are heavily, like, like really, really tight. Sunderland are massively favoured. Um, Sheffield United are massively favoured. And Watford are massively favoured. Uh, would you say... Beyond the what it says on paper, is any of those that you can see has been potential upsets? Well, I think we get well. Wigan and Huddersfield could be an upset. I think because I know Huddersfield are above Wigan, but they're both Huddersfield... the bottom three, though, aren't they? Yeah, Huddersfield are still not great. Though. What did you? I reckon Preston will beat Burnley. Really? Nah. Yeah, well, they're without a manager, aren't they? Preston, so they're, I think they've got no pressure on them in the dressing room. I think they'll go for it. They just want to show that the the next guy who's coming in to take charge, like their places are. Absolutely. I think Preston will win. Fair enough. Um, I don't see it happening personally, but if it does, it'll be an entertaining match to watch. Um,. Yeah, I think the potential upsets for this weekend for me might be uh, Cardiff City against Middlesbrough. Um, Middlesbrough don't travel that well away from home, especially when it's over six hours. So, like they do well in the northwest, the northeast, the um, down the M1, but when they travel more than that into London or the south of the country, they struggle massively and. Wales will be no different. Um, and I can't really see any other ones other than that. That might be an upset, to be fair. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 we'll see what happens on Saturday, I guess, with that. Ah, cool. Sorry? think it'll be a decent-ish crowd. I'm going to go for about 35,000, I'd say. At Reading? No, Sunderland playing at home, aren't they? Uh, Sunderland against Reading. Yes, it is. Game. Sorry, yeah, it is at the stadium light. Sorry, I thought it was the other way around uh, for some reason. Uh, yeah, uh, probably it's about thirty-eight thousand on a Saturday uh, when we're this high in the table. What's Liverpool looking like this weekend, Dov? Oh God, I haven't even looked at me. I don't think about it. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not thinking about it? No, we're not even playing till Monday. Or yeah, but if we lose to Everton, if we we actually deserve to be fucking relegated, man. <laughs> right. So I've got a number. If you want to jot it down, that you can ring if you lose to Everton. It's all one five one two six four two five double zero. That is the customer service hotline for Liverpool. Go cry there. <laughs> if we lose to Everton, I'll actually be upset. Fair I, well, to be fair, Everton, I, I would like to see Everton in the championship. 
just because it massively changes up the Premier League look. Last time Everton were outside of the Premier League was in the 1950s. So, yeah, I, can't, I, would, like, I would like to see Everton down just because I've got nothing against the club. I just think it'd be it'd be a change, it'd be something new. It'd be interesting to see how they do in the Championship and that, you know. Exactly. Uh, will they will they instant bounce back or will they cement themselves as the new Stoke on Trent? Um, <laughs> the same boring yo-yo clubs that keep coming up and then down and then up and down, you know. And let's face it, when they go back up, they will look to uh, heavily spend and invest in Liverpool, the city. So, um, yeah, let's let's let just everybody smash Everton including Liverpool. <laughs> so then we can see what they're like in the championship. Thank you very much. I think um I think Sean Dyke will get a little mid table Oh yeah, his result against Everton was uh, against Arsenal was manic, right? First game in charge, mm-hmm. wins against the league leaders. They were solid at the back of Everton. They were absolutely solid. I mean Arsenal could have played another ninety minutes and they're just not gonna get through that um Everton defence. They were really, really good. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me though if Sean Dyche um, keeps him, to be fair. So, because he's a good manager. He is. Where's Sean Dyche coming from? Down uh, I from don't down. know, but I think it was the, the Lemsip factory. Smoke exhaust pipes, that's why his voice is so deep. You know. Maybe. Kettering, where's Kettering? Down south, Northampton, Shire. Where's that? That's Midlands, mate. Kettering's Midlands. He's near. He's near a place called Wicksteed Park. No idea. About <laughs> Burnley, though, didn't he? Sean Dyche. Sorry. I said he did a good job at Burnley. Oh, Sean, my, he did a brilliant job at Burnley. I, I'm not too sure why it um, faded out in the end, but ultimately I think yeah. that's what happens with most managers. He was there from 2012 till 2022 with Sean Dyche, so that's a long time, 2012 to 2022. I'll, I'll, yeah, that's a, de- a decade in charge. I'll, I'll ask you all one last question. So for your respective clubs, so basically... For Dov, Klopp, and for us, Tony Mowbray, do you see your gaffer being in charge of your club by the end of this season? Or should I say, for the start of next campaign? I say yes for Sunderland. Tony, so you think we're going to have a consistent manager over the summer break? Yeah, that's a big take. <laughs> DJ. Do I think we still have Tony Mowbray? No, do you think Tony Mowbray will still be in charge come the start of next season? Um, I don't see why not. I mean, so far, so good. As far as I'm concerned, I did doubt him. Um, but the objective is this. Well, the objective is this season to stay in this league. Um, I, don't, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I said this the other day. It depends on what. Sunderland's goal is either wanting to stay in the championship for a few seasons to get established, um, or would it want to push for the Premier League next season? But um, I don't see why not. Cut long story short, I think Tony Mob is doing okay. He's, he's steady. 
Doing okay. That's the, the telltale sign of a really successful manager. Doing okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. To be fair, mate, I'll I'll wear mine after Dov's said about Klopp. Um, I think he'll stay. You'll I think? I think he's going anywhere. I don't think he wants to. Like, we don't, as fans, we don't want him to leave. Um, I think the only way he will leave is if he feels like he can't really do much with us anymore. Um, sure. In terms of. He's taken us as far as he can, and then he'll walk. But I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna give up quite yet. He'll never walk alone, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I can see him being ousted. If I'm being honest, by your board of directors, I don't think it's down yeah, to him uh, or your fans. Yeah. It's the the fans don't want it. The thing is, if if. If they get if they sack him, there's gonna be massive problems between them and the fans because the fans don't want him to leave. He has done well for Liverpool uh, as he, well. He's been our he's 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 been our best manager for for I mean, fucking God knows. How I long. I like can the results he's given us has been mad. Oh, you've won the Champions League with him, and the we Premier the, League within the same season. On the champ, was it the Champions League, the Premier League, and the fucking um, Cup Winners Cup? Oh, uh, fucking 2019 season was a fucking run. Hang on. Um, you won the 2019. The, the only, yeah, the only way I can see Klopp leaving this club is if they have somebody who's already a club legend lined up to manage you, i.e., Steven Gerrard. Gerrard's lined up and ready for the, the job. So swap them around. We won the Premier League. Uh-huh. We came runners up in the FA Community Shield. We won the Super Cup and we won the Club World Cup. Club World Cup, that was it. The FIFA Club World Cup, yeah. And um, to my final point with Tony Mowbray, yes, I think he'll stay. <laughs> um, I like you said, I think he's doing an okay job. I don't. Thing, getting rid of him mid. I think he's got a three-year head coach contract. He's about it'll be about halfway through it by that point. I don't see mm. us getting rid of him because basically, I don't think it would be this high if we still have Alex Neil in charge. Just got to look at Stoke. So I think he's done a bit much better job than Alex Neil would have in this league. And for that reason, because we're looking at strong survival, maybe thriving and promotion push which was completely unexpected for this season it was ultimately stay in the league stabilize and go develop on for next season um yeah i think he's done a brilliant job with what he's had and especially some of the restrictions around strikers so i think tony mowbray is proving himself as a good Sunland manager for now when he was at blackburn he was he was with them for quite a while and i think We'll be in the championship for a few seasons and then he'll get us promoted and then he'll leave and retire and then we'll get a different manager. That's how I think it will pan out. Blackburn have not been in the Premier League since the 90s, mate. Or the early 2000s, sorry. Black, well, I mean, Blackburn, I think they were last in Premier League like 2011 era, actually. But, were they? Yeah, like 2011. Around then. I can't remember Blackburn playing us in the Premier. I can. We were... I remember we beat him 2 1 once, but I forgot who scored. But uh, At the end of the 2000 2001 season, 
and won the League Cup in 2002 and the relegated again in 2003. Yeah, okay, so it is early 2000s. Um, interesting. Anyways, right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much, lads, for being on it. Um, I appreciate it today early, so been a bit calmer than normal. We'll catch up after my long weekend away in Belgium. So thank you very much. Catch you thank you next one. Bubba. Oh well lads. <laughs> uh